The Bellows, stage management for Smarties. Welcome back to the Title Block, a podcast about Canadian theatre designers, their history, and their craft. Now is the time of the month where we present a recording of The Bellows, a monthly discussion about all matters of producing theatre. And I, of course, am your host here, Michael Cruz. This time on the panel, finally, a conversation of the crew slash creative members who keep the entire machine together, communicating from early days of workshops through the grueling tech week and then single-handedly corralling all of the artists together to perform the same great show, if you're lucky, over and over again. Stage managers are experts in communication, project management, social psychology, and most have an absolute obsession with what is the best post-it note. And of course, us designers could not do what we do without them. In January of 2018 at Theatre Pass Mariah in Toronto, our normal moderator, stage carpenter Kevin Hudson, cajoled two Toronto stage managers into telling us how they work and answering questions from the audience. Erica Murray is a Toronto-based SM working for companies like the Factory Theatre, Volcano Theatre, Sudbury Theatre Centre, Modern Times Stage Company, Acting Up Stage Company, Theatre Passmarai, Young People's Theatre, and many more. Tara Mohan stage manages theatre, dance, musicals, and everything in between, if there could be anything else, and has worked for Why Not Theatre, Gadfly Dance, Heart House Theatre, George Brown Dance, and Toronto Dance Theatre, among others, of course. Now, I can't emphasize enough that there are now almost 2,000 people a month accessing the podcast. I know that doesn't seem like a lot in podcast land, but in the small theater community of Canada, I'm, I'm kind of blown away by that number. If you've been putting off signing up to support us on Patreon, please don't delay and click on the link in the show notes now. And now, The Bellows, stage management for Smarties. Now, the recording did not get the first 10 minutes. We had a little, you know, error. But uh, to set this up and to get you into the discussion, uh, we interrupt Erica talking about the various contracts that we need to know to work with an equity company in a packed theater. Packed, sure, hopefully full of people, but yes, packed, you know, the Professional Association of Canadian Theater. Uh, the panel then continues to take questions from the audience on all things stage management. Here's Erica. Bro, table of contents if you're just like interested in, in going through and seeing how that works. I believe there's also a handy search function on the website. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, I, it's I not it too scary. It's not too scary. As a as a sometime production manager, not that terrifying. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes. Right, awesome. And there's like an indie theater agreement. There's a there's yeah. various levels of Yeah, and like there's a different agreements of the like this is a ballet agreement, and this is an. Op- there are. I'm not sure how many agreements there are, but there are a few. The dot, which I've never worked under. Um, yeah, there's all, all different kinds of dot? things you can work. It's like dance, dance opera, theater. theater. I don't know. Something. There's. I haven't worked under every agreement, so I don't know the. the I think it's the same kind of thing of as a guest artist contract. It's super exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've always been a little bit blurry on is uh, in what context is the independent theater agreement uh, exercised? If that makes sense. 
Do we know? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I I don't know if that I could give you a, a definitive answer on that. I don't like. Is it know. optional or? Oh no, it's it's not or optional. Is it like or in what? Sorry. Don't you yes. talking? <laughs> Do you have an answer? For me? <laughs> I was just gonna say if we don't know, maybe we could kick it to the house. Does, does anybody know? I feel like this is like a producing question. <laughs> and if you don't know, there's no shame on it. Maybe this is just a question we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it will remain a mystery. No. Yeah. It depends on the size of the company. I mean, like the, the company itself will apply to equity to be considered. I mean, smaller companies will want to work under the independent theater agreement because they have less money and are a smaller company. Uh, so they'll apply to equity. It's just a different company category. The equity has this whole calculation of like different company categories. So it'll be, it's, it'll be a different company category that uh, equity and the company and PACT will kind of decide that that theater is. Uh, which is different. It's, the ITA is very similar to the CTA, but then there's also the uh, indie theater agreement, which is different than the independent theater agreement. <laughs> uh, yeah, because the, from what I know of it, the ITA, the independent theater agreement, is for kind of larger companies, whereas the indie theater agreement is for hey, we're a small, like, five-person company who's going to get together and make a show, I think. Yeah. There's also, like, a, it's an, there's a, to find out what category you're in, like, if you're one person and it's a one-woman show with a bunch of dancers and you, like, I need to hire a stage manager, I don't know what category I'm in, there's a formula. It's an actual formula that's, like, the number of seats in the house into the ticket sales, and then that'll dictate what category you fit into, and then that'll dictate what kind of contract you go under. Kind of, yeah. That's great. Uh, just the, the the big difference between CTA and ITA is that ITA is not members of PACT. That's mm -hmm. like the biggest, only real difference. And and what's PACT? <laughs> Professional Association of Canadian Theaters. And so those just are so many acronyms. Venues? Come back for our taxes panel in March if you yeah. love all these acronyms so much. <laughs> And so are they, those are the PACT then venues that are signatory to this, or are they companies? Companies. Okay. Yes. Excellent. That's the audience agreement. Awesome. <laughs> Fade into the back. Thank you, audience. This is yeah, amazing. Yeah, audience. We should Love just go you. to the audience all the time. Yeah. I mean, who needs a panel if you think about it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> totally. Yeah. The audience is the panel. Kidding. Yeah. We are the bellows, and so are all of you. Um, we didn't quite mention TYA. Uh, how does your life change when you're working for theater for young audiences? Um, one fun thing is I don't really work a lot of TYA because I can't drive. And uh, a lot of TYA shows, it's not touring. all, not, it all not always, um, but often it's touring, a lot of school tours. Uh, I know Megan Speakman knows a lot about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have worked in TYA. I, I've worked at YPT doing a show for literal babies. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So um, my life changed in a lot of ways during that because I was like, oh, I, I have twice as much laundry because babies just like pee all over the blankets and like <laughs> put the props in their mouths. Totally. Wait, <laughs> so it, you did a show for babies, like babies in the audience? Yeah, or? like literal infants. Like Amazing. Like aged like, what is it, like three three months to nine months? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of like a TYE touring, uh, it's tricky because as a part of the rehearsal process, from what I understand, like you're constantly keeping in mind that this is going to a bunch of different venues all of the time. So um, integrating like a plan for packing up your set and rehearsal uh, becomes important. So like it comes down quickly um, and it goes up quickly. And the actors are typically a part of that process, which you don't see in for any other type of contract really if, if you're working as an equity stage manager. So the cast has quite a bit more involvement um, in the, in the teardown and in the setup. Uh, what else? I guess you're not calling as many cues, like sound cues and stuff, you're typically running off of a laptop, but you don't typically have like sophisticating lighting rigs, so calling the show becomes sort of less of a thing. Um, I th feel like Megan Speakman is itching well, to say I, something. If you want specifically, just because I've yeah. accidentally done a lot of CUIA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, more, um, my specific situation would refer a lot to Roseneath Theater in Toronto, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, school touring. And you've pretty much covered it. I mean, like the, the differences for the stage manager are um, you have to be a lot more independent. Like, and because when you go out on tour, it's just you and the actors. Uh, so you, you're the one who has to uh, meet with the principal or the teacher whoever's in charge you're the one who has to organize uh, and make sure and drive everywhere you have to organize the setup and the strike and everything so you're just a lot more involved in things like in the little kind of bitty uh, management of things but as you said like it just means you have to add into rehearsal setting up the set you have to add a meeting about just a general tour meeting about how that's going to go uh uh, you have to plan like a Q&A for the students and stuff like that. I mean, otherwise, it's pretty much the same. Uh, as far as equity goes, there's another fun uh, category in the both the ITA. Uh, Roseneath works under the ITA, um, but in the ITA and CTA, there's another category that's below. There's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G of regular theaters, and then there's TYA which means they get to pay you a bit less uh, and uh, there are certain rules that don't apply uh, and you get your hours limited in different ways and stuff like that to allow the cast to help you set up the set, for example, and stuff like that. Yeah, and two, two more quick things to add to that. Uh, laundry is super annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I worked for a company lately uh, that kind of operates under a TWA model, but it's actually for, for elderly people on the opposite side of the... Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, it's a company called Smile, and they travel to different like retirement homes and long-term care facilities and bring shows there. Um, and it's usually musicals. I think it's always musicals. Um, and as a stage manager, you're going in and you are doing the live mix of the show and you are muting mics and turning mics on and playing the tracks because you don't travel with musicians. So That's bonkers. Suddenly you have more more of a technical role than you would in, in a normal stage management setting, which Damn. is kind of fun. Yeah. Unless something goes wrong because then you're like, oh man, I'm my own tech support too. Totally. <laughs> that sounds bonkers. So you have to drive the show there and then mix the show? Is that the... Yeah. Drive the show there, set it up, mix the show, still call places? And for less and money. And then do laundry? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That is yeah. bonkers. Yeah. Damn. One of the other things I find about touring is that you have to be super flexible and willing to let things go. 
Like the show that I do, um, we have entrances from, it really depends on where we are that day. So sometimes <laughs> they might enter from the back of the room. Sometimes they might enter from the gym locker room and it, like it's going to be different every day. And Or sometimes we're on the stage or sometimes we're on the floor and the kids are on chairs. Yeah. And it just, you have to be just okay to roll with all of that because you're and that's when your show reports become really important be like yeah so we changed everything up today we changed all of the blocking because that's how it happened <laughs> so it's always fun Madness. oh looks like we've got someone in the front oh my gosh uh, one thing I also <laughs> find with TYA that doesn't, I just got off of a main stage TYA uh, show, which was interesting because we do 12 shows a week. Oh, Even wow. though it's main stage, oh. it's still operating under the TYA clause. Um, so it was really an interesting challenge to be doing. And um, more often than not, TYA shows that are main stage have a busier track backstage, so as an apprentice stage manager, I was running the entire time <laughs> and doing two shows a day, six days a week. Um, so that is something else. And being, of course, paid less, everyone was. Um, so that's also something that is interesting that is not necessarily to do with touring TYA, I find. Last thing I'll say about this is, uh, I, and again, I don't have a lot of firsthand experience about this, but just from the little experience I do have and speaking with stage managers that I work with sometimes, like you have to sort of manage the cast dynamic in a different way, especially if you're on, it's really hard work for them and they're not used to it. Um, the show schedules are sometimes really labor intensive and you're driving to and from and they're putting up the set and they might have feelings about that. And it's a lot of time together just like in the van. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, just like keeping morale high, I think probably plays more of a role. Would you say that's right? Yeah. There's nods around the audience. Yeah. Sprinkling. There's should just we, nods. The yeah, there's nods. In the back. Anyway, should, we, should we talk about HR? Like how much of your jobs are HR in general on a not necessarily TUIA? I mean, in an ideal world, none. Right. But, uh, I find it really depends on the cast and how well they get along and how well um, they're being treated by the theater as well. Um, I think in my experience, um, I haven't had a lot of problems with it because I, I think in, the, in my experiences, it's a lot of everyone just sort of pulls their socks up and gets it done and does the work because they love it. Uh, so I've been really lucky in that respect. But I don't know, how about your world? Um, I, I don't feel that stage management is HR. Um, I like to start a rehearsal process um, by really making it clear that I am approachable and I'm open and if you have something you want to talk about, like sometimes people just need a confidant, totally cool. So, um, but mostly I just see my role as being like the essential link between person in the cast who's a, a visiting artist, like me, most of the time, which is why I think HR isn't my job. Like, there's a company in place and, and HR is their job. But they may not, like, understand the resources uh, available to them. Or sometimes, like, they might, depending on what the issue is, like, I can say, hey, like, I'll connect you with such and such a person so you can do this. Or any, And I don't mind helping them with, like, decision making when it comes to tricky HR stuff and, and helping them get through. But... I don't think HR is is our responsibility as stage managers because um, we need HR too. <laughs> actually, yeah, totally. like it's it, it's it falls into the engager to be HR in Fair my enough. opinion. Awesome. Uh, you both mentioned dance and opera. How does how do those things change your life from a straight theater piece? Uh, I would say for dance, uh, first of all, generally the time commitment is less. 
Uh, they don't rely on the stage manager most of the time to run rehearsals. Uh, when I've gone to dance rehearsals, pretty much it's been for me. The dancers do their thing and I get what I can out of it so that I have the ability to call the show. But I'm not doing things like calling breaks or, um, or often they like to set their own props because they know exactly where it is, things like that. Uh, the most I might do is sweep them up and then sit and watch and make my notes. Um, they don't call for line. You know, I, I would never give a dancer a blocking note. <laughs> uh, so in that sense, it's kind of less responsibility. Right. Um, and generally, I find the tech weeks are quick and dirty mm -hmm. because the contracts are shorter. And generally, in the independent world, there's less money in dance. So they'll do a three or four day run and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. Do you have a, how does your prop book look when you're uh, calling a dance show? It depends on the person. For, I know some people like to do pictures and words, so do pictures on one side and words on the other, like um, diagrams of where people are standing or formations or things like that. That's how I learned, but I don't tend to do that. Um, I really rely on descriptions, um, you know. So like the left hand flick on a certain note or whatever? Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A, a combination of stopwatch timings, if it's to music, uh, visual descriptions of they jump and then they run upstage kind of thing. Um, or, you know, the end of the big flourish, musical flourish, stuff like right. that. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I don't have experience in dance stage oh. management. Uh, really, I've been like backstage for a couple dance shows, but it's like, bring on the weird thing in between <laughs> the two pieces. And I'm like, awesome. here's the weird thing. Yeah. So I can't really speak to that. Uh, and I can't like really speak to the world of opera either, because I've only really like dabbled in it. I'm working on uh, on a workshop of an opera right now. And uh, my first apprenticeship credit was in opera, which scared the crap out of me. Um, in general, I guess uh, what was different about, um, again, going back quite a few years now, um, I was surprised uh, by the, the difference in the level of preparation, because a lot of these opera singers came in, had like sang these roles like a thousand times before, like they come in Often, not always, especially not with like a new piece, but with a kind of a classic piece, like they know their stuff. Like the music is memorized, they know what's going on, they've probably done it like tons of times before, which is like cool, but they need support in a lot of other ways. Like I've, I don't know, I don't know if this is typical, but I just like had a, per like it was like as if they didn't know what theater they were in. So it was like <laughs> constantly being like, go this way. Um, one thing that really changes a lot. Um, when you're assistant stage managing on an opera is that you're queuing entrances. And, and typically, like, when you're backstage in theater, like, sometimes you're queuing entrances, uh, but often people are just kind of, like, standing by and come in uh, when they need to or it, it's a light or something. But uh, queuing entrances to music, so reading music or at least being able to follow music becomes really important. Same with queuing. Um, typically you have a, a lot fewer performances for an opera um, because people need to rest their voices. So you'll you'll do your rehearsal period and you're like, wow, we only have like four shows and there's days off between them. And I mean, I don't Crazy. think that's always the case, but yeah. often. Um, what else? Pipe up there, Millie McGuire. <laughs> uh, you also have a, like a tendency uh, to, to have two casts because uh, opera singers need to rest their voice so much. If you have like a two act show, your your cast will be double cast, which is interesting in rehearsal because like everybody learns in a different way. But then like when you get backstage, it's about learning who in what cast needs what kind of support. And like there are some performers that like, 
you have to go and get them from the dressing room every time they have an entrance. You just have yeah. to. They're, they're spacey. <laughs> They've been studying music their whole life. And like, I like also like do more like opera schools as opposed to opera like like uh, opera productions. Um, but yeah, a lot of them like this is their first time performing a full music or a full opera. Uh, so like, it's just about figuring out who needs what kind of support and then also not giving that same support to the actor and the other cast because you could offend them, uh, which has happened. <laughs> that sounds impossibly delicate. And it's funny, dancers are the exact opposite. I find that they're so self-sufficient and sometimes it's like, oh my God, you're going to give me a places call? Thank you. That's so kind of you. <laughs> Stuff like that. Like, how many broken toes have you seen unreported? Uh, I often don't even know. I'll just suddenly look and say, oh, the ice pack's gone. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's, someone did something. Dancers are crazy. <laughs> yeah. So is, is in between a musical? Like, do you still call a musical off a score? Or is there... For me, I find it depends. Yeah? It depends on the preference. Um, the only time I've ever called off a score was when I was doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, partly because this, the script is so inaccurate to what's happening uh, vocally. And also there was a lot of musical breaks and I accuse on musical breaks. So in that case, I used a score. But generally when I other, call other musicals, I do the script. Yeah, it, it totally depends for me too on what the nature of the piece is. If it's kind of like a a super pop musical, like usually I can just call it off the lyrics. I usually check in with the lighting designer to see how they're doing it as well. Sometimes they... I prefer to do it a certain way. And sometimes I just like, if it's really to a specific beat of music and, and it's difficult to notate my script, I'll just like paste some of the score in there and not use the whole score. And sometimes the score is just straight up not available, um, which sucks, especially with a lot of those uh, like jukebox musical types of things. Like, it's weird. How much uh, are you responsible for dealing with musicians in those situations? Uh, like, do you schedule them? Do you give them places calls and things? Uh, like, I, I certainly give them places calls. They come into the process so late. Like, mm -hmm. often I'm not at all of the rehearsals, but... Yeah. Yeah, and of course that's tricky too. And you have to kind of be aware under what agreement they're working under too because they have, like, all sorts of other different... Yeah, their own specific... Union rules. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're different everywhere. Like, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. I've heard there's an insane amount of breaks in there. Rules. Yeah, like right now, um, for the workshop of the opera we're doing, basically what we're doing is, it's kind of split. So we have uh, one rehearsal hall at Cannes Stage where we're rehearsing 11 singers, and then a rehearsal hall um, at the COC where we're rehearsing the band. And then we all come together in the end. So right now, like, they're on their separate big schedules, but we've, like, learned, like, they need, like, 10 minutes of break for every hour, which is more than for what we need. So how do yeah. we structure our day so that that can be the most useful for everybody? That's crazy. I have a weird, like, mythical view of musicians. Because the only ones I've ever worked with, you only meet them at the places call for, like, your first performance. Right. And they show up and they play a perfect show and then they leave. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. In my experience, the musical director handles all of the scheduling for the band rehearsals ahead of time and getting them to the building. And then for me, once they're in the building, I give them their calls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, speaking of directors... How do you relate to directors? It depends Just on the in director. General, like, yeah. Um, I agree. It totally depends on uh, the director. Different directors need different types of support. 
Um, different directors seem to have different philosophies about stage managers. Like some directors really see uh, stage managers as a creative, and others really just see them as a functionary. And it's kind of it's really important to me in the prep process to really talk to the director about how we're going to manage stuff. Because sometimes I work with directors and they are prepared and and they appreciate the work that you do um, and, and they want you to be there, but mostly they're just going to like forge ahead and they just want you to be like five minutes till the break and uh, this is this is what the schedule is. Um, and of course you're doing all the things that are part of your job anyways. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, other times I, I work with directors who are like excellent in the room and we have a pretty normal director-SM relationship and then we'll get into tech and they'll be like, so there's this transition here and I don't like I don't know I'm not really a tech person what do you think <laughs> and there are and in those instances that I'm like hey sure um I'll show you something <laughs> what do you think uh oh gosh it, it really 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 truly depends like one of my favorite directors um who I work with a lot is the type of director who really demands a lot of support from his SM, um, especially in terms of like time management. So while some directors send me a schedule of my prep week being like, this is exactly how I want to break down rehearsals from beginning to end, this director will just be like, hey, I kind of want to vaguely get to this point by this end. I think this scene will take me longer and this scene won't take me so long. I don't know. Can you put together a plan for this and also figure out when we're doing it? Like they just don't want to deal with it. They're very hands off because they just want to like this particular director, we'd get into the room and he'd come back like two minutes after the break with the, like just putting away his lighter. I'd be like, okay, so what scene are we doing? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, like this is the scene. <laughs> and then he'd be like, oh great. And then you dive right in and he'd be there because his preparation is in that. Like he doesn't care so much about the scheduling and he appreciates having someone to keep it on track. So right. really, it's just about for me like talking to the director before and being like, so what? What do you need from me? Or how can I best support you in getting right. this off the ground? But then that relationship change. I'm blabbing on. Sorry, guys. Um, no, you're, you're saying everything that uh, I was going to say. That's why you're That's on great. stage, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And then just uh, having a, a relationship with a director where um, you know how to support them and what they need and what their vision for in the show is so important because, like, eventually the director leaves, right? Yeah. And, and you're in charge of maintaining the, the integrity of their show and giving really intelligent notes to people and solving problems on the fly uh, in the way that makes the most sense. So um, I try and t talk to my director and get as much information from my director at all points in the process as I possibly can. Um, and regardless of how much of their input how much of your input they're looking for, like keeping that relationship close, honest, open, checking in, communicating as much as you can is just like super important. Awesome. So, Ed, because it sounds like I'm trying to get it at authority here. So, the director okay. is typically the authority, be all, end all. Is that a typical experience? I work in a particular environment where that is the case, I would say. Um, is, are there examples of other sort of arrangements? What what would you have to I say about that? I know I'm not phrasing it. I don't know that I well. understand the question. I'm sorry. Just in terms of uh, uh, so obviously in rehearsal, yeah. you guys have one sort of authority set, right? There's a director there. Once you're in performance, the the authority switches. Um, so how much do you feel entitled to your show at at in rehearsal and in performance? Um, I feel like 
uh, during shows, if I'm giving notes, is really about maintaining the director's vision overall, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in rehearsal, really, I'm trying to just soak it all in. Everything the director says, um, thing, uh, you know, writing little notes in my margins of, oh, it's okay for them to make one, change this line into a joke, but not the following line, things like that. Okay. Um, or it's okay for them to be upset until this line, and this is where that intention shifts, things like that. Right. Yeah. Or they're allowed to shoe so-and-so for this long, but don't let it develop beyond that. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes I've found with longer running shows, um, particularly, for example, at the Lower Ossington Theatre where I work, they'll try and have the director come back every couple of weeks and take notes just to make sure that the show is maintaining its quality level. Um, but in that case, they would give the notes to me and I would deliver them to the cast to make sure that I'm in the loop at all times um, and to maintain, I guess, the stage manager's authority after opening. Right. Yeah. So how do you feel when you know a director's in the house? Uh, I hope I don't mess up. <laughs> I hope I call all the cues exactly right. Right. <laughs> um, but I kind of like it because it takes some of the pressure off of me that day to be watching the cast quite as hard, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I find it's pretty rare that, in, unless the director happens to be the artistic director of the theater, like, typically they don't come back. Maybe they'll come back if there's, like, a, a party or something and they live in that town, but most of the time they're like, bye, I'm going to Vancouver. Like, <laughs> like sometimes they don't even stay for the opening party because they're, like, gone for their next gig. Uh, so then it's just, like, really keeping a keen eye on it and giving really honest uh, feedback about how it's going. And, I mean, it, a really detailed show report. And, like, often those uh, conversations continue on. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you just, like, send the show report out into the stratosphere and, and no one reads it. But really? often, like, it'll be like, hey, like, such and such a thing isn't working. And the director will be like, hmm, interesting. Uh, and they're really just going off how you described it and how the audience responded and, and what you saw on stage. And they're saying, like, hey, well, maybe, like, is it possible to try, like, such and such a thing? And big changes don't happen. Like, it's, it's more or less set in stone. But, mm -hmm. but they will occasionally pop in with a bit of feedback and... Adjustments happen all the time. Sometimes I have to make decisions on my own on the fly. Like someone will come in and be like, hey, I have an injury which makes this bit of staging super difficult. And I'm like, cool. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll try and reach out to the director and they're just not available. And I'm like, okay, uh, this is like the decision that I think is going to make the most sense to get through the show. And then I'll detail it in the show report. And I may hear back from the director and I may not. Um, so there, it's... I wouldn't say you don't have a, it's not your show and you don't have authority over it, but you do have to make decisions or if something isn't working, <laughs> like you, you, you're the one who makes the call. Right. Hey, just another quick moment to ask you to go to the show notes and click on the link to support the show at patreon.com. This will help cover the travel costs coming up this spring as I break out from my base in Hamilton, Ontario to interview designers as they pass through the festivals and the big city in Ontario. Go to patreon.com slash the title block podcast and donate a couple of bucks an episode. It really helps. I have a lot of questions from the house on this point. Uh, yeah. We're going to start from the back and move towards sure. the front. Yes. Uh, something I've always struggled with is how to deliver notes to yeah. the actors. Because <laughs> I don't get to sit in on other stage managers giving that because it's a very private process. Would you be able to give any tips for how to approach giving notes? 
individually after awesome shows. Question. It is an awesome I question. I wish I thought of it. We're <laughs> here for it. Do you have any tips? Um, for me, I find it depends on how well I know the actor. Uh, if I don't know them very well, I'll just try to be as professional as possible and say, well, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I, I would say what you did came across as such and such to me, and I don't think that was the intention of the scene. Maybe keep an eye on that and see how it progresses. Uh, I often will also only give a note on something if it happens twice, because I know everyone has off days, uh, unless it's something that was really big. Um, and I, I generally find that the actors, if they make a mistake, they know it already. Uh, so sometimes I'll say, you probably know this, but, which I think can help a lot, mm -hmm. because it shows that you know that they're aware of what they're doing. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that too. Um, I, I agree. It's super difficult. It's, if there's one thing that I'd say that I really struggle with as a stage manager, it's that. And I feel like I'm still kind of figuring out uh, how to do that most effectively. And it totally changes based on who you're speaking to. Uh, mostly, I think it just helps to really get people used to the fact that you're going to do it. Um, some, sometimes directors automatically like help with that and get you sort of during the, the tech process to sort of begin doing it while they're there, um, just to kind of help them get used to the fact that like, hey, this is something that's gonna happen and this is a person whose artistic feedback is valued and most professional actors don't need to hear that. They know and they respect that, but some don't. So even if things are going well, like I really just make a, a point of checking in with everybody just to be like, how to go. So, the, so they're expecting the conversation. And it opens up things on their end, too, because if after every show you're just doing a quick check-in with everyone, telling them when things are great, um, you know, talking about things that went wrong, then they'll come in and be like, hey, like suddenly they'll want to continue discussing with you because they may be feeling insecure about something that they're trying. So it'll suddenly be like, instead of like, hey, can we talk about the direction that the scene is going in? Like it becomes like, hey, like, what do you think about how, like, suddenly they're coming to you and asking you questions because you've already set up uh, the dialogue going both ways. And then it's easier to, to come in and be like, hey, so, like, seems like this scene is going more in this type of direction. Like, let's talk about that. Um, yeah, so I think just approaching it as if it's a conversation, getting used to the fact that that's happening early and, and every day. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, is your question pertinent to this particular point of question? Okay, great. Then I'm going to bump around, come back to you. Do you have a follow-up? Oh, just go quick follow-up to that. Uh, if any of you, especially apprentices, but I mean any stage managers, know about the Stage Managing the Arts Conference, yes. which relates to the amazing Stage Managing the Arts book, which we were talking about earlier, um, there's a really amazing uh, course in that conference. I think they do it every year, and I think it's in April. Um, but there's a really amazing course that is just on giving notes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it might be paired with something else, but there's definitely uh, at least half of it is uh, giving notes, and it's super amazing, uh, the things they do there. They bring in uh, an actor. Uh, who uh, does a practice giving note session with you, uh, which is super fun. And then everyone <laughs> talks about how it went afterwards. Uh, so because everyone hates giving notes, I think, uh, I highly recommend that as a way for anyone who's worrying about that. Yeah, and if you follow us on Facebook, we'll make sure that we post when that's happening. So everyone knows and can go, because it's yeah. a great conference. The, the minimal experiences that I've had with giving notes has been 
the more you get to know the actors during the rehearsal process, make it so much easier because you get to, like right now, if you're thinking how to give a note to an actor, it's so hard because this actor is just an inanimate figure that you're trying to think of. But in the actual moment, it's so easy because like you've made these connections with these people. Like you've maybe had a beer with them. Like you've, you, you, you have that experience. And the only other thing is I'll jump off of what you said is during the rehearsal process, when you get really into that point where they're not looking at their books anymore and you're the only one really following the script is giving line notes as to what lines they've they've maybe fumbled or anything like that because it starts off with this is like like an, a concrete thing that you might have done a little bit incorrectly and then when it becomes you were really sad when you should have been happy it's a lot easier because you've already given those notes where it was like a concrete thing whereas now it's more of a an opinion like it felt like this is harder than you said then when it should have been before, like just like something like that. So, awesome. yeah, good point. Uh, hands wise, I'm gonna go Scarlett, Cole, and then gentleman in the back. I didn't know. No, we took care of your questions. Great. Is your question still? Your question is hot and on the table. Here we go. Writing. <laughs> uh, the show report. What goes into one? Yeah. Whoa! Great question. I love it. You have to hold the microphone. I, right I wrote that one down oh, too. No. You're taking notes. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> the show report that was the question yeah. yeah what's the show report and what goes into it uh the show report is a report you do after every performance and you send it uh to the creative team and the producers um i think in equity land they might have rules about who you can send it to true in my land <laughs> in my land it's generally the uh producers uh director and any designers basically anyone who might be affected by the information you would put in it um, so you do the the boring stuff like the time the show started, how long it was, the weather, when the house opened. Um, and then my show reports, I tend to do a performance notes section. So things that went wrong, like so-and-so's hat fell off or so-and-so was sad when they should have been happy. Um, a technical notes section, like such-and-such such light, the bulb blew and someone was in the dark. Um, and then... Uh, some companies like an audience reaction section to know if there's a standing ovation or if the audience was responsive or hated it or threw tomatoes uh, or, you know, whatever. Um, uh, illness or injury section, if anyone's sick, if someone lost their voice, uh, and then other for all those miscellaneous things, like I heard someone yelling in the lobby during such and such a scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. my show report. <laughs> so uh, when you're working under an equity contract, uh, it's true, there are rules about who you can send the show report to. I think right now it's four senior managers at the company and the director at the discretion of the theater is the language in the agreement. But I've never had a situation where the four senior managers were like, don't send it um, <laughs> to the director. Um, Often not now, um, because these, these rules never used to be in effect, um, and, and sometimes it's really useful for other people in the production to get notes about what happened in the performance because like a thing broke or there was a tech problem. So I typically also do a separate tech report, which I'll send to the technical director or the house technician or whoever's running the show uh, in case there are things like physical sorts of notes that need to be addressed. Um, and I will say in my experience as a production manager, sometimes that's your job and sometimes that's my job. Like I've worked at theaters where they thought the production manager was the person responsible for redistributing the report and sometimes it's you. Right. And I, I tend to make a point of doing it myself just because like I, I mean it's not that I, I certainly trust my production managers to pass on the information but 
Uh, if it's really time sensitive, I like to get the stuff out really quick because if we have an 11.15 school matinee and my production manager starts at, at 10 something, like I might wanna just get that out right away because I'm just not sure how fast that they can get to it. So, and, but that's a discussion I'll have with my production manager, as you say, uh, before I go in. Yeah, so. It's very pertinent. I'm ready. Uh, where do assistant managers and apprentice stage managers fall under the report section? Do you send them your rehearsal no. reports? Oh, rehearsal reports? Rehearsal reports and like show notes. Um, yeah. And why? So if, okay, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a few reasons. So um, during rehearsals, like if I'm sending out rehearsal reports or production notes, I absolutely CC uh, the whole creative team and the assistant stage manager. It's information they need to know. If they're if we're adding a prop and they're the ones who are responsible for tracking props, they super need to know. Um, and it, usually I get them to help me with uh, communicating with the different departments. So I'll, I'll distribute the report, they'll have a look at it. If they didn't help me create it themselves, which typically they do, because they have a lot of notes too, then I like get them to take the physical report and check in with the different departments just to see like, how things are going. So it's very important uh, that they receive that information because so much of it uh, directly impacts them. When it comes to the show report, like typically we talk about what things went wrong and they often have a lot of things to put into the show report because they're directly backstage with the actors so they have input on that. St stuff broke, like I might not know about the button that fell off but they'll know about it and they'll tell me. Um, but that information doesn't really need to go to them necessarily. It's kind of coming from them. And confidentiality is a big thing. Um, that's a, a big reason why not everybody gets the show report because sometimes there's some, some sensitive information in there. Um, particularly uh, when it comes to, like, say your ASM like didn't set <laughs> a big thing or like is having a bunch of problems <laughs> with their pre. Like sometimes you have to write about that stuff. Um, and about technicians too, and it's, and it's really sensitive that information, and you have to be sensitive when you're writing the report too, because what you write could potentially cost someone their job. Um, so it's, it tends to not be widely distributed, and you wouldn't want to see it sitting on someone's desk, uh, in part for that reason. Hey, oh, Scarlett has a question. <laughs> Uh, this is not pertaining to show report or rehearsal notes, but uh, I you mentioned, Erica, you didn't drive. Yeah. Um, how does that affect you when uh, working in places that aren't necessarily big cities? Oh, my gosh. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I have to make all my friends drive me around for groceries. <laughs> Um, sometimes I have to lean on uh, people in the company a little bit more. Like sometimes, like as again, some of my friends out here in the audience know. Sometimes you work in a place that you can't drive to. Like for six years, I worked um, at the Lighthouse Theater in Port Dover, and there's like just no Greyhound bus or a train or any mode of public transportation that will get you to the place. So you're just like, hey guys, like pick me up in Aldershot. You have to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't work at your place. Um, supplies is difficult. Sometimes, like things that you take for granted, it's like, ooh, like we need spike take and we just have to order that in. Like we're out. We can't just pop over to Rot Blots or whatever to go pick some up. Uh, that can be challenging. Um, mostly, though, it has to do with 
just like arranging stuff with the cast. It'll be like, so-and-so is having drinks at their place. Like, how are we all getting there? I'm like, I don't know. Like, there's no public <laughs> transit to get there. I can't drive. Like, and that's not my job, but like, people still ask me how everyone's getting there. Um, but, you know, it doesn't, it, oh, and if the production facility and the rehearsal hall or the theater and the rehearsal hall aren't in the same place, that can be really tricky. So if you work in a place like, I don't know, Gananoque, they have a production facility on one end of town and, and then the rehearsal hall on another end of town. And it, it's, the town is super small. It maybe takes like 25 minutes to walk there, but you can't really do that on a lunch, right? Like you can't just like pop over and be like, hey guys, how's it going over here? And then walk back, like that's all of your time. Um, so sometimes that can be a bit more of an issue than it would be somewhere else. Um, but otherwise, it doesn't affect my job too much. Um, if I need supplies or something, I just like tell someone at the company with a car to do it, and, <laughs> so, yeah, which you have to foresee. Um, so I guess you have to look into the future a bit and be like, is anyone going to Staples? Because I need such and such a thing, and it's a 25-minute drive away in this tiny town. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for the record, I learned to drive at 33, so it's not too late for anybody. <laughs> yeah, the record. Um, that's been super helpful, audience. Thank you so much. It was amazing. Um, can we have a little bit of fluff? What's in your stage management kit? Oh. <laughs> uh, all manner of post-its and highlighters, uh, all those fun treats. Uh, whiteout is the thing that I always forget that I need and end up needing, so I try and keep that when I can. Uh, I like mechanical pencils, but a regular pencil sharpener is always a good one. Um, basic medical supplies, some chocolate. <laughs> uh, I like rubbing alcohol if I can keep it. Sewing supplies, everything you could possibly need. Amazing. Anything yeah. like odd? Um, is there anything you've ever pulled out and people are like, what, what is that? Why? Uh, this wasn't in my stage management kit, but this happened a couple of weeks ago when I was at dinner. A director asked me to bring a ball to rehearsal for a team building exercise, which we didn't even end up doing. But I had this giant pink ball that I pulled out of my bag at a restaurant to get my wallet out from underneath. And my boyfriend was like, what? What am I looking at right now? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is controversial, but I don't have a stage management kit. I have a... <laughs> <laughs> I have a pencil case um, that has my general things that I write with. Maybe if I like, there's like sometimes like little fancy tabs that I like and I'll, I'll pick those up if it's just like a matter of style for me. But in general, especially if you're working for like an equity company, which I recognize is not necessarily yeah. uh, the same sort of situation. Like they're, I'm an employee of their company. Like they're providing me with the supplies I need. So I have lists of all that stuff. So like I'll go through and be like, this is what I need for rehearsal. This is what I need for prep. This is what I need for such and such a thing. And I'll see what's in stock, look around and then put in a request for the other stuff that I need or get a petty cash check from the company and pick it up with their money. But uh, I don't have a, a kit that I, one, it's like really, uh, speaking of driving, <laughs> um, on the bus, it doesn't really fit into my suitcase. Um, so I don't want to be lugging around all these work supplies um, when I'm already packing for six weeks away in a contract. And uh, yeah, I don't want to be spending my own money on that when, it, when the onus is really on the theater to provide the things I need to do to do my job as an employee. Because the stage managing the arts book would have you 
no, think that you would need a cube van for your stage manager. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, you know what? I, I used to kind of operate that way, especially when I was apprenticing and I was like reading endless yeah. articles being like, I always carry a can, like a bag of frozen peas. You can use it as a, an ice pack or a quick snack. Like, I'm not, like, <laughs> like, I'm not bringing frozen peas with me to rehearsal. Oh, I will say actually. Because how do you keep them frozen? Yeah. <laughs> my fun thing that's in my kit is I have a booth buddy, I call him. He's a little stuffed reindeer. His name is Sven. He's actually frozen uh, memorabilia. Oh, that's but kind of cute. it was because I did a Frozen-inspired kids show, so I brought him to sit in the booth, and he's just followed me around to all of my shows for the last like three years. So that's he's awesome. in my kit. Yeah, that's touching. Were you gonna say a thing? All right, comment in the back. All right, in the back. Vis-a-vis -vis kits and taking them from A to B. Um, how how does one effectively bring their kit like? from their apartment to the rental rehearsal facility on the subway during rush hour. <laughs> Am I supposed to do that? I hate uh, doing that. I generally uh, move it in stages. I, I admit I don't have a, a single large kit. I have many um, zipper pouches from Dollarama and every, I have my wardrobe one and I have my tape one and I have my sticky note one and I bring, bring it in stages and then I try and leave it at the theater as much as I can. So I accumulate it all, and then on strike, I have a horrendous trip home, but it's normally 1 a.m., so it's not busy. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. I have a comment in the front. Yes. Hi. Um, I can answer the question about moving stuff on the TTC, because I do that all the time. Um, <laughs> I have a suitcase that my parents bought for me. It's hard case, and it is uh, about a carry-on size, and it fits my entire backpack plus uh, my binder and my little shoebox, which I use as my SM kit. So invest in something on wheels is my suggestion that you can carry on the escalator and wait for the escalator. Don't try to carry it up the stairs. Wait for the escalator. That is my <laughs> one job. Um, but I just want to say that on SM kits, I do a lot of site-specific stuff. So I have... <laughs> <laughs> Two stage management kits. I have one that is the size of a shoebox that has some spike tape, some wet wipes, and uh, deodorant, things like that. And the other is a full carpentry shop? The other is my mom used to sell for Mary Kay. Oh. So I took her box, nice. which is purple and pink and about the size of a large toolbox. Um, and it has things like sunscreen and bug spray and aloe vera. And a pair of socks because uh, actors and everyone get cranky when they have wet feet. So I give them an extra pair of socks if their feet get wet. Oh, and a hair dryer because <laughs> you people will get their clothes wet and then you have to dry them in a van in the middle of nowhere. And that's that's a good point. I actually get asked for hair dryers surprisingly often and I never have them. And theaters never have them either. I should get one. I think every theater I've ever been in has three broken hair dryers laying around. Yeah, always broken. Yeah, and always one broken. like Never covered hail. in paint. Yeah, just, one that's just for paint only. Yeah, totally. And it's actually a heat gun, so it's useless. Anyway. Yeah. It's the actor who came back from the bathroom and said, I got water all over my shirt in its places. What do I do? I also have another off topic question from the back. Well, first on topic. I believe that every stage manager in their kits, or if they don't have a kit, should have uh, menstrual supplies in their kit. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you are, everyone in your cast, like you're gonna have a cast member who has a period. Let's make things nice. 
my off-topic question. Um, I am looking to make the jump from indie work to equity work. And I really have no idea how to do that. Everyone's just like, oh, apply for equity. It's easy. And I'm, I don't even know where to start looking for equity jobs. I've read all the material, but I don't know like, where to look or where to look to look. Well, I will tell you some stuff about that. So what you want to do is start apprenticing. That's super exciting. And there's a lot of people here today who are stage managers that look for apprentices all the time, including myself. So one great thing way to start is just to talk to people. Um, we're looking for people all the time. Um, like if there's a stage manager that you're like, hey, you're cool. Like see if you can go for coffee, have a chat, see what you're about. Um, I got an apprenticeship that way and that was really useful for me. Um, there's some more formal ways to look for apprenticeship opportunities as well. Um, uh, I don't know if you know about Equity E-Drive. Do you know about that? I've, I've heard of it, but I've never had the nerve to venture into it. Talk to me after. We'll sign you up online. It will be great. <laughs> and then you'll get uh, all of the, a, a lot of apprentice listings uh, right to your inbox. Uh, on the Equity website as well, uh, there's a whole list of engagers that have hired apprentices in the last 12 months. You can go through there. You can kind of like cold email with your CV uh, companies that way. That's not always the most effective way, but it can work, especially if, you know, it's like, ah, we just lost someone. We need to get someone right away. Another thing that happened to me while I was apprenticing. Um, check out the SM Arts Conference that, that Megan Speakman mentioned before. Like, that's a great way to start dipping your toe in and understanding, like, what is the world of equity? What does stage management mean in this context? And just meet stage managers uh, that want to, like, help you along your journey. Um, there are other websites, too. Like, they're not always the best for finding th these opportunities, but sometimes you can find them. There's the TAPA blog. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. <laughs> the work and culture, all of that bit. But I think really just talking to stage managers. Do you know, there's, um, there's a couple stage management Facebook groups as well. There's uh, Canadian stage managers, um, which is mostly geared towards like working stage managers, but there are often um, postings being like, hey, I'm looking for an apprentice. Um, there's also an apprentice stage managers group. I can't remember the name of it. Can anyone else remember it? Is it just, anyway, I'll find it for you and I will give you the information on that too. Um, yeah, any other tips from the crowd? About I mean, have you, have you heard of The Bellows? It's a really great <laughs> little thing to There are so show many up. stage managers yeah. here. So many right stage now. managers. There are so many stage managers. <laughs> I have many hands up in the audience. Is that? Yeah, totally. That was a better yeah. ending question than I ever could have devised. So we're, we're on all it. audience all the, all the time. Um, I would also suggest going to places and sh asking to shadow Stage managers yes, is a really big thing. Um, like at Stratford, they're like, oh, somebody wants to talk to me. This is so cool. And so <laughs> like, go and shadow them and follow them. Or when you go to see a show, go and ask who the stage manager is and see if you can talk to them. And like, it's a really just networking. And, you know, if you like theater and you're already there, it's, it's really easy to do. But people are always happy to have people shadow and show them what, what you do. Because we never get to show people what we do. So... Yes to that. I love it when people email me and they're just like, hey, so I saw your show. Like, I just have some questions or do you want to meet to talk about it? And I've given someone an apprenticeship that way already. Like, it's, it takes a leap and it can be like kind of nervous. But typically people just like love helping other people, <laughs> especially stage managers. And I think one of the best things you can do, not just as you're starting to get um, apprenticeships, but just in general for your stage management career is really build a strong network of 
like-minded stage managers who you think are great, like they will A, like help you through a lot of the difficult situations you might get in and also get you work. Because uh, down the line, like if they're not available for a gig, they'll be like, hey, hire my friend, because sometimes they're looking for recommendations. So start that early, like meet all of the stage managers you can and like build actual meaningful relationships with them. Don't just be like, you're a stage manager, hi. Um, yeah. Seems like you have something uh, to say. Another one, my first apprenticeship I got through the CITT Jobs Fair, yeah. which was awesome. I think it just passed last week, but next year you should go to the CITT <laughs> Jobs Fair. Because, uh, yeah, that was where I got my first apprenticeship was there. Right on. Speaking yeah. as a former venue tech, uh, I've definitely recommended stage management friends of mine, and they've definitely gone on to get credits. As a former venue tech, you make friends with your venue tech, your venue technician. Do that. It's wise. Oh, yeah. CITT is the Canadian Institute of Theatre Technology. Uh, it's uh, .org, I think. CITT.org. Like .org. They have a convention. They have a number of conventions. Yeah. And you can volunteer for them <laughs> because they love volunteers and they pay you in beer. That's amazing. It's true. And sometimes cash in an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> we at the Villas are very into beer payments. Um, okay, great. Kevin's yeah. making the wrap-up symbol of mm -hmm. me, which I agree with. Um, does anyone else have any other burning questions or comments? I can't wait for drinks time. Nailed it. Um, so we ran at about an hour 1638. That's the time I got wow. on my stopwatch. So that's a pretty good show. I think it's about time for us to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much to all of our audience here tonight. Applause for you. But thank you even more to our panelists on the stage. More applause for them. Um, we are the Bellows. We have an event every third Monday of the month. Uh, most of the time we uh, are on Facebook at... Uh, the Bellows, look it up. It's not hard. Uh, or on Twitter, we have a handle that I don't know. Uh, it's the underscore Bellows, but I haven't updated it in a while, so I'll right, get on that. So don't look at I'll that. get on that. Don't look at that. You can also email us at thebellowstoronto the at gmail.com. Yep. Um, and also, uh, what else do I want to say tonight? Uh, again, mention our panel uh, next month, which is uh, on uh, a workshop on intimacy direction, which... Uh, we think it's super important and also very timely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know that a lot of us are here, we all, and we all kind of know what's up. Uh, and I really didn't want to start the panel talking about it because I did not want to politicize my panel like that. You are great stage managers, and that's not what this panel is about. Uh, nevertheless, we do want to say that the Bellows is always, like, a lot of people have reached out and said that we don't know what resources are available to us. Uh, if we feel like we have a bad situation or we are in whatever kind of harassment, whether it's sexual harassment, whether it's bullying, whatever, whatever it is on the site. And uh, we just want to say that whenever you're in a situation and you don't feel like you know where to go, you can always come to us. We might not be able to fix it directly for you, but we certainly have suggestions for where you can go. Uh, and we're working with other local organizations to try to make it easier and more accessible for people to reach out and find those places and find those opportunities. Um, because we think it's really important. We think it's always been really important, and this is just a great time for us to all agree that it's really important. Um, also, I, maybe this is weird. I don't know if it's weird. We have a lot of Soul Pepper stage managers here tonight, and we just want to say thanks, guys. And like, you're doing a really hard job right now, and like, applause to you. Like, really good work. And like, it's got to be rough. You're doing great. Thanks for being.
And that was another Bellows discussion, this time about stage management. Next time, a fantastic interview with Andrea Lundy, designer and director of production at the National Theatre School. The music for this podcast is by Vern Good, with voiceover by Gabriel Crabley. And please, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help get the word out about this podcast and share the history of theatre design in Canada. And you can follow us on Twitter at TheTitleBlockCA and on Facebook.com slash TheTitleBlockPodcast. You can send comments and requests by email to TheTitleBlock at gmail.com. And don't forget that if you like the show, please support us on Patreon.com. I'm Michael Cruz, and I'll see you next time on The Title Block.